when you walk through the doors. Uh, on the back are some fill in the blanks. And to help along with the message tonight, you can follow uh, along with the message. It's great because when I get to like the last point, you're like, oh, he's almost done. Like it's a great finish line right there. But also you should have received a survey card that looks like this. On one side is the connect card. And uh, you heard uh, my, my wife mention on the video announcements. Just fill that out and drop it in the offering plate at the end of tonight's service. Uh, that can be, if you're a guest, that's your offering for tonight. No obligation, no, no pulling anybody's arm to, to twisting anybody's arm to give tonight. That can be your offering. But on the flip side is a survey. And I'd invite everybody to take that out right now. We're going to fill the survey out together right now in, in the service. Okay, so just put it right here. Hold it up. Let's, let's, let's take it out. Let's look at it. The first question on the annual survey, four questions. Four simple questions. Here they are. The first one is this. I'd like to hear a message on what the Bible says about. Jesus dealt with the issues of the day. He heard people talking and he addressed it. He was in the culture dealing with cultural realities. And there are several options here from dealing with depression to uh, how to overcome a deep wound um, to uh, if God is good, why did this happen? And, and dealing with difficult people. Hello. And so we want you to fill out three or four of what you would, would want to hear a message on. And starting next week, I am starting a series called Reply All. And I'm going to take these surveys, and based on your responses, next Sunday, we're going to address the issues that you asked for, the issues that, that you have filled out on this reply card. So uh, make sure you fill that out. Number two, uh, I'm interested in hearing more about these themes from burnout to miracles to healing to injustice to uh, my identity to money, 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 money. Thank you. That was a little... Our rhythm wasn't quite, wasn't, wasn't quite there, um, but that's all right. Uh, fill that out. We want to develop some other small groups and different things we do during the semesters uh, and maybe another series of teachings on what you're interested in, in, in hearing about. Here's the third question, super simple. Um, what, what brought you to Timber Creek Church? And you can see the different options there. Uh, maybe you, you, got you got invited because of the Easter egg hunter, or maybe you uh, came because uh, you heard uh, something uh, on Facebook, or you saw a sign in the, in the city, or you were invited by somebody. We just love to know that and see uh, what gets people uh, out on Easter weekend. Uh, maybe it was the glow-in-the-dark hunt. Uh, my brother-in-law sent me a picture of a homeowners association that was doing an Easter egg hunt. It wasn't glow-in-the-dark. They, they were promoting it, and I, I think, I think... I think they meant annual Easter egg hunt. We're just going to move right along. My wife said, don't touch that. It's going to move right on. I got some funny things, but I'm not going to say them. What brought you to Timber Creek Church? And then finally, the fourth question is this, and it's simple. These are all just like your choice. And the last one's multiple choice, A, B, C, or D. Now, here's what we're going to do. Every Christmas and Easter, we fill out this final survey, this final note, the A, B, C, or D, at the very end of the message. So I'd invite you just to take that and, like, tuck it inside the worship guide there. And if you want to take notes, flip it over, and we'll, we'll begin to take some notes and talk about Easter. And we'll come back to the A, B, C, or D in just a few moments. But it's Easter weekend. And people, I don't know how many of you, uh, you, you, you bought some, some clothes for, for a kid at Easter weekend. How many of you bought an Easter basket for Easter weekend? How many of you got some Easter lilies for Easter weekend? Anybody? Uh, how many of you just glad to, to be in Easter weekend and it, glad it's not Monday yet, right? Okay. Um, there's all kinds of Easter traditions and there's this historical event that happens every year over the last two millennia 
and that is Easter. But let me say something to you tonight. Easter is way more than a historical event. There's a lot of things involved that we celebrate in the calendar year, but it's so much more than just this historical thing where, where we dress up or we buy the flowers or we have the meal or we go and travel and we go to church with grandma and grandpa. There, there's so much more involved. Easter is not just a historical event. It is a personal event. It's a personal event because what Jesus did was not just something to be recorded in history books. It was a personal thing. It was something, Easter is for you and I to experience Easter, not just hear about Easter. For you and I to experience the risen Savior in our lives, not just know about it or uh, hear another sermon about it. It's something to experience. It's not, just, it's not just personal, it's actually an invitation for you and me. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is an invitation. And in your notes, you can write it down like this. I've written it down this way. The resurrection of Jesus provides the power... To close the gap between the life you're living and the life you could live. And I want you to know that, that there is a life all of us are living. The way you spend your time is the way you will have spent your life. And your life is the sum total of the time you have spent. And I would say some in the room, you're where you want to be. But there may be others here that... When you begin to think of the dreams you've had, when you think of where you wanted to be, when you think of what you could have done, maybe there's a, a space, a gap, a bridge, a chasm between where you are and where you, where you want to be. Relationally, in that marriage, emotionally, physically, financially, there's, there's a gap there. And the resurrection of Jesus provides the power. It, you, it provides it. It doesn't automatically give it to you. You have to embrace it, receive it. But that power closes the gap. His spirit in you closes the gap between the life we're living without him and the life we could live with him, guided by him. The scripture says it like this. The apostle Paul in Romans says, The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, that, that, that same spirit, lives in you. When you invite Jesus to be the center and the savior of your life, that spirit of Jesus lives in you, lives in you. And here's what happens when that spirit lives in you. Just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life, the life you could be living to your mortal body. See, many people like, if you felt like living for Jesus meant, I got I got I can't have any fun. All I can do is wear Christian t-shirts and just if I'm going to laugh, it better be at how dumb the devil is, bless God. And then you're just suffering for Jesus, just suffering for Jesus, bless God. Soon and very soon I'll see the king. Until then my life is just leaking along. That's not what it's been. It's this side of heaven, this side of eternity. The resurrect, you can have a resurrected life here on, on, on earth the way God intended it. And, and he says it can give life to your mortal bodies, like your mortal marriages and your mortal relationships and the mortal issues that all of us face by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that can be within you. That's the Apostle Paul. Someone who followed Jesus closely, the, the disciple Peter, he wrote in 1 Peter, he wrote it this way. This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the life you could live. It's the kind of life Christ lived, his character, his conduct, his conviction. And here's what Peter goes on to say. He says, Jesus, he suffered everything 
that came his way so you would know that it could be done. Many times people are stuck living the life they're living because they've gone through something hard. They've gone through a detour. They've gone through a plan B. They didn't see it coming and they weren't prepared for and I didn't know how to handle this. And Jesus suffered everything so you know it actually could be done. And not only know that it could be done, you could know how to do it step by step. See, what we want is this microwave relationship with Jesus, but, but it takes a little time. It's a, it's a process. It's step by step. And so if, if, if I were in the room and I were living the life that wasn't the life I wanted to live, I would probably say, okay, what's the catch? Like, what, what do I got to do? If there is a life I could be living and, and Jesus closes that gap and he is who he says, he is, well, what do I have to do? In, in, in other words, what must I do to see this happen in my life? If you're not quite where you feel like you thought life should be, especially with Jesus in the equation, then let me tell you that the answer we've been trying to fill in the blank for a long time with a lot of different things. And you may have heard from different sources from school to your friends to college to Facebook. You've heard a lot of different reactions on what do you got to do to live the good life. And I would say that a lot of people have tried to answer it this way. They said, well, you know, you got to be a good person. Make sure you're a good person to people. Uh, so, some, some people, if you grew up in a traditional church like I did, it maybe, maybe it sounded like, you know, well, you can't cuss, don't chew, and don't go out with girls who do. Like, that's, that's what we heard. Put your hand over your heart. Don't cuss, don't chew, don't go out with girls who do. No, I'm kidding. We didn't do that. Now, those probably healthy things, <laughs> but that's not, that's not the step. That's not what you, that, that, that's not the step. Maybe it's pray every day. That sounds very good, and it's important for the life of a Christ follower, but that's not the first step. If I'm really good and I do some good works, maybe that will, maybe the big man upstairs will kind of see me and, and know that I mean well. I'm a good per I've done a lot of good things. Hey, I gave to that charity. Thanksgiving comes around, and I provide some stuff for some people. I'm a good person. I think, I think God will notice that when I get into heaven, and I, I want you to know that, that that's not the first step. Those are good things. And we all ought to be doing those things as Christ followers. But, but really, it comes down to well, what, is, what does Jesus have to say about this? What does the Word of God say that my first step is here? No matter whether you've believed and you've drifted or you, and you need to believe again or you've never, you've never quite put God first in your life, the way to close the gap between the life you're living and the life you could live is simply Believe. That's the first step. Believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Believe that Jesus can do what he says he can do. Believe that Jesus' way is higher than your ways, and if following his way means that I have to make a detour, I have to turn, I have to fix the degrees on, on, on my compass, then and that's the right thing. Believe. And it's not about your pedigree. It's not about how many prayers your grandma prayed. It's not how many church services you attend. It's not about how well you dressed up for Easter weekend. It's all about believing. Look at Father Abraham, one of the key characters in the Old Testament. Uh, Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just, anybody remember the whole children's church? 
Yeah, that, that, for those of you that don't know, that's an old children's church song, and you'd sing it, and every time you'd sing a, a phrase, it went like 14 minutes. It was a way for children's workers to fill the time in the service when the pastor was getting anointed and going long. They're like, let's sing Father Abraham again for another 14 minutes. And what would do is you, it came with motions. Those children workers, they tricked kids into exercising. It was right before the message, so every kid was kind of calm and not like all wired up. It was before we had, you know, the whole, uh, the, the ADD medicine, you know. Our ADD medicine when I was a kid was, Father Abraham, just, just wearing kids out. And it'd be right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, nod your head, turn around, and then you're singing it again. Father Abraham. Can you imagine all these kids singing? And, and some, some family brand new to the church comes in to try the church for the first time, and they're bringing their kid into children's church, and all the kids are like, Father Abraham. And one of the kids, before he passes out from being dizzy so much, says, oh, hey, Billy, come join us. And, like, the parents are like, what kind of cult church have we just gotten ourselves? I digress. Let me get back on track here. <laughs> Father Abraham, huge character in the whole story of God. From his descendants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob become the tribes of Judah. Uh, that where, and from that tribe, the nation of Israel, out of that, uh, those 12 tribes, would, Jesus would come. So was Abraham a good person? Is that why it was? Is it, did he choose a good life? Did he do good works? Here's what the Bible says. God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on his obedience to God's law. Some of you think, well, I already broke the law of God or I'm not following the way, so I might as well just put my hands up because he's not going to accept me anyway until I start obeying the law. You don't start by obeying. You start by believing. Because the scripture goes on to say, this happened. God, Abraham was chosen because Abraham what? Believed in the God who resurrects. The God who brings life, brings the dead back to life, and who creates new things out of no thing, nothing. Another scripture that says it pretty clear, one of the most popular ones, if you've ever watched WWE, you'll see it in the, in the crowd. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever, what? Believes in him should not perish but have eternal Life. In fact, later, a few chapters, 17 chapters later, the, the Gospel of John, the, the author, John, says the, all these scriptures, all of them were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, not by getting your ducks in a row, not by doing that one thing, not by saying that one prayer, but by believing, you may have life in his name. The challenge of this, though, is a lot of people say they believe. In fact, the Bible talks about Jesus says a lot of people say, Lord, Lord, but they never, they never get it. They never even enter into the kingdom of heaven because they said, Lord, Lord, but they didn't really believe he was who he says he was. Because if we believe he is who he says he is, it, it will shift our thinking and trajectory because we want to begin to follow this person who says he died for our sins and so believe is this big deal because people say they believe but believe can be all kinds of different things and one of the definitions of believe is hold as an opinion think or suppose like using that definition no parent wants to hear their kids say i believe i took a shower this week i believe i brushed my teeth three days ago no spouse wants to hear their, their, their spouse say, I, I believe I love you. No employee wants to hear their boss say, I believe we have enough money to 
pay you this month. Nobody wants to hear that. That's a think or a suppose. And I believe many people say, I believe when good things happen, God is good. But when bad things happen, I don't know. I suppose mm, I'm not for sure. Or we get sidetracked or we drift. A stronger definition would be to accept as true, to feel sure of the truth. And the truth isn't just a, a subject ideology. We believe the truth is, is a person. Jesus is truth. He is way. He is life. But you know, when you look at the original language of the Bible, when it uses the word believe in several different places, it actually means something beyond these definitions. It means this. It means to cling to, rely on. And I'm inviting you for the next few moments I have, I just, I want to, I want to, I want to give you the case for believing in Jesus step by step. And it starts with the first step of belief. I'm more of a, I don't see myself as much of a pastor as more of a tour guide to simply guide because Jesus is who changes everything. Um, I'm just, I'm just here to kind of guide you to that first step. So the rest of the time we have, I just want to give you three benefits of believing in the resurrection. If you really believe he is who he says he is, there's some benefits in that. There is some promises for you. There is some take it to the bank, live in the life you are living. You can step over and live the life you could live. And these are three promises of God. If you'll believe him, you, you, can, you, can, you can hang on to it. The first promise is this. Write it down. There is no pain his purpose cannot redeem. Everybody in this room has experienced some kind of pain. Physical pain, relational pain, emotional pain. And we already read in 1 Peter, Jesus suffered everything. Obviously the physical pain on the cross, um, beaten within an inch of his life, an excruciating execution that took place. An assassination of the Savior. He experienced pain. Crown of thorns deep into his skull. The nails were just part of it. A deep, deep pain. But Jesus also experienced relational pain. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have his family kind of go, he's a little crazy. Even through scripture, they say, I don't know, don't, don't, we're not even for sure. They weren't even for sure if they believed he was who he said. I mean, if you grew up, right, and, and your oldest brother came to you and said, hey, I'm the son of God. You'd be like, dude, what have you, were you eating the mushrooms in the backyard? What is going on, right? But you got to understand, that's how they had to, they had to believe. And so the book of James, towards the end of the New Testament, that's the brother of Jesus, half-brother of Jesus. And he starts by saying, you know, I'm here on the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. So something, something flipped. He did believe it. But at first, they didn't even know whether to believe their older brother. He knows emotional pain. Right before he is uh, betrayed with a kiss and taken to six different trials, he he is going through emotional pain, anxiety, and stress on the human side of him. God, take this cup from me. He's bleeding droplets of blood, a major medical phenomenon under unbelievable stress. He knows what it's like to be stressed. And Jesus isn't the only one. Um, we think, well, he, he was able to suffer everything because he's like, you know, the son of God. But then afterwards, his disciples were able to su suffer through too. Can I just say something to you? After, after he dies, 
if this was a hoax, if the resurrection was a hoax, and one by one these guys started getting beaten and crucified themselves, the, the oral tradition is that Peter uh, crucified upside down, I'm going to say to you, there's not enough like energy in people's lives to just go through that till the end. They would have said, okay, we, we hit his body, okay, we, like, but they went through, they, they were so, so convinced, they so believed that they were willing to give their lives for it. And then a few years later, about 30 years later, the Apostle Paul comes on the scene and he's killing Christians. He's persecuting Christians. He watches, he's holding coats while one of the, one of the disciples, Stephen, gets stoned to death in the street. Later, though, he has an experience where that, that spirit of God is breathed into him. And it gives life to his mortal body. In the life he was living, he begins the life he could live. And he writes more books of the New Testament than any other author. And he writes over in 2 Corinthians that, hey, don't be in the dark about this, friends. It was hard when all this came down on us. He's talking about all the persecution and the challenges. And he was shipwrecked. And he was, he was uh, uh, bullied by crowds. And they, they tried to stone him one, one time. And, and it was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. Another translation says, we despaired of life itself. And that's kind of the biblical way of like, we didn't want to live. It was so bad. He goes on to say, we felt like we'd been sent to death row. That it was all over for us. But as it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. How dare he say it's the best thing that could have happened? Well, he, he, he explains it this way. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally, to believe, to cling to, rely on him. Not a bad idea since he's the Easter kind of God, a God who raises the dead. And even though we go through pain, even though we suffer too, there is no pain his purpose cannot redeem. Now that word redeem is important. It's an exchange of something. You know, parents, you go to Incredible Pizza, you go to Chuck E. Cheese, you give your kids $27 worth of tokens, and they battle out those tokens on skee-ball, fruit ninja, and whack-a-mole. And they produce hundreds of tickets because of the $27 in tokens. And they go over to the, to the gift table with their 1,700 tickets. And they use every single last ticket, and they buy a bouncy ball, three blow pops, and a yo-yo and maybe like a fake, like a spider ring for 27 bucks. The redemption value there doesn't add up. And some people think they got to give up all this life in order to live a life for Christ and suffer for Jesus and kind of, you know, give up the, the good stuff for the straight and narrow. Mm -mm. That, that's not the redemption that he comes to give. In fact, when Jesus first starts in ministry at 30 years old, he's baptized in water. That's why we baptize people in water, because we follow in Jesus' footsteps of following in him and, and, and knowing how to do it step by step. That's one of the steps of just following Jesus. He goes into temptation for 40 days in the wilderness, and he fasts and he prays, and he, he is sinless through the temptation. He knows what it's like to be tempted. 
And he goes, he goes through that process. He comes back. He goes into the temple or like a church service. And, and people are gathered there. And, and he stands up and he goes and grabs a, a scroll is given to him. And it happens to be a 600-year-old scroll. It's 600 years old, the words that were written on there. And he pulls it open and he reads from a particular area in that scroll. And what he reads, written 600 years ago, he's standing there about ready to fulfill over the next three years of his life before he's crucified, buried, and raised again. And here's what, he, here's what he reads on the scroll. He reads to his whole hometown. He reads, <clears throat> and he reads Isaiah 61. He says, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's the redemption. That's the exchange rate. Brokenhearted people can be bound back together. To proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. And he doesn't stop there. He says, you know what my redemption is going to do? I can bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And I wonder how many people you've been dealing with the ashes of life because something burned to the ground. And he says, give me those ashes. If I can make humanity out of dust, I can make something beautiful out of your ashes too. Beauty from ashes, joy instead of mourning. And I know that there are people in the room, you're mourning. There's been a loss, there's been a hurt, there's been a deep wound. And somehow, somehow, and it may, it may just start with believing. And it may take a little longer than you'd like it to take. But I promise you, he can, he said, give me your mourning. And I'll redeem it and I'll, get, I'll, I'll give you joy. Which is a buoyancy that no matter what comes my way, regardless of the circumstances, I can, I can know that Jesus is for me, not against me. A garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. Instead of walking around wondering what's next, to be able to, to walk in and say, I know who holds the future. There's no pain. His purpose for your life cannot redeem. And you know, that whole, that whole thing of that life you could be living, we say it around here, we'd like four things in your life. Um, that you could know God personally. He's not just an idea. It's not just a vague electrical force field floating in the cosmos. He's a real person who loves you deeply. He's a real God. You can know him personally. You can find freedom from what's holding you back. It's a promise of God. Freedom for the captives. You can discover purpose like new ways of living. The apostle Paul says uh, it, it designs, God has designs on your life for, for glorious living. And then ultimately, if you can really know him, find freedom, discover purpose... The cherry on top is that you can make a difference. You get to lay your head on the pillow at night knowing that you're able to do something beyond yourself for the sake of others and for the sake of the kingdom of God. And you can make a difference. It's such a fulfilling life we've all been called to. You just got to believe. Number two, there's no confusion that his presence cannot calm. You know when we're confused... Whew, we want answers. We go to the calculator. We go to people. We go to Facebook. We, we, we go to whoever. When we're confused, we, we want answers. And if we don't get the answers in the time we want them, we begin to doubt or we struggle or we spiral. We can feel alone. Jesus knows what it's like to feel alone. On the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. He experiences all of humanity's emotions and struggles. He suffered everything so that when you suffer, even with confusion, even with depression, even with loneliness, he, he knows what it's like to feel forsaken. The disciples were there. 
all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, people that felt alone, they didn't know, but it was this presence that could bring the calm in the middle of the confusion. The book of Psalms, there's 150 different poems, songs right there, all categorized. And, and, and there are different authors of those psalms. And one of the authors, one's David, another author's Moses. He writes a couple of the, of the psalms. Uh, Asaph is one of the guys. David, Moses, good names. Asaph, if you're thinking of naming your kids, I'd maybe say David or Moses. Asaph, maybe not. If you're an Asaph here, hey, church, anyone come to? I'm so glad you're here. I was just kidding. Um, but Asaph is writing this, this psalm, and it's Psalm 73, and, and he, as he writes it, He's dealing with, like, why do bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people? And, and he's a good person and bad things are happening to him. And he writes this in Psalm 73. He says, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me. I was confused. It troubled me deeply. I couldn't quite make sense of it. And I wonder if you're carrying some weight tonight that troubles you. And you're trying to make sense of it. He was stuck there until he did something. And here's what he did. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. When you can spend time with Jesus from in the morning early, when before the, the busyness, late at night after the craziness, in the weekend uh, with a church family, whether it's this one or another one, find one. It's amazing how much confusion can be calmed when we simply have time in the presence of the Lord. And that's where the disciples found themselves on this same day thousands of years ago we, we read about it in, in in john chapter 20 it was late that resurrection sunday evening jesus had risen early that morning they hadn't seen him yet and the disciples they were gathered together behind locked doors because they were afraid why were they afraid why were they behind locked doors because they had been with jesus for years they had fished together they had walked together they had laughed together they had built campfires together they had seen they had witnessed water into wine h2o into merlot they had seen thousands fed with a to-go box from long john silvers they had, seen, they had seen hurting people healed they had seen desperate people made whole and now the Messiah who's supposed to bring in this new kingdom, he dies? The Messiah isn't supposed to die. How could this happen? They were shocked. They were confused. They, they, they were afraid. And so they did what some of us do. They isolate themselves. They lock, they deadbolt. They, low down, they lower down the kerosene lamp and they, they just try to deal with life. But here's what happens. Jesus, all of a sudden, doesn't even say he, he knocked on the door, doesn't even say he opened the door. He just all of a sudden, just like, he's there. Came and just stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Could you imagine that moment? Peace be with you. You got to hold the disciples around. One of them was trying to pluck out kumbaya on the guitar. Nathaniel just spits his coffee. Andrew just passes out right on the coffee table. Then they all get together. He's like, peace be with you. And then he showed him that he's a resurrected kind of life he could live kind of power that raised him from the dead kind of God. Because he shows him that he's, he's not just a figment of their imagination. He shows him his hands and his, and his side. And then the disciples were filled with joy at seeing the Lord. They were confused. They were afraid. But the presence of Jesus changes everything. 
The presence of Jesus will change confusion. The presence of Jesus can, can, can bring ointment to that wound. And then he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It will, it will quicken your mortal body. It will bring life to your mortal body. That's what's happening in this moment. He's giving them that same spirit and now they're saved. And that same moment of salvation is available to everybody today that believes that he is who he says he is. And I'm telling you, some of you are at a place where you did believe. And it's time to believe again. It's time to believe again. Third thought. Not only is it there is no pain, his purpose cannot redeem. There is no confusion, his presence cannot calm. But there is no life, his power cannot resurrect. And he doesn't always do it immediately to where you want to be. But he starts somewhere, step by step. And it starts with believing. I wonder how many in the room today you, something's died in your life. Somehow, some way, there was a wedge between you and your son. And that, 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 that relationship needs resurrected. There's a struggle and you feel like the only way to get past these irreconcilable differences is to separate. I want to encourage you, it's part of why we do Marriage Month in May. Because we want to help marriages tighten the knot and get help that we all need. But he can, he can breathe life into a dead marriage. Maybe you're dealing with a sickness. Maybe you've lost a loved one. I saw two little boys at the Easter egg hunt last night. I, I buried their dad a week and a half ago. It's their first Easter without their daddy. Oh, God. And we say, oh, those poor kids. But you know what? But by the grace of God, Jesus can take this moment of loss and can still resurrect something in those two little boys. In that widow who's mourning her husband. What is it that's dead that God can resurrect in your life? Believe it. Believe it today. The hottest place in America, in fact, the hottest temperature ever recorded on the face of the planet was over 116 years ago. The, the temperature was 134 degrees. And it, was, it wasn't in the Middle East. It wasn't in the middle of the... You know, the Sahara, it was actually right here in America and California in Death Valley. Right there at a place called Furnace Creek. Hottest place ever recorded in the Guinness Book of World Records in all the almanacs. Um, and Death Valley spans a huge geographical area. Um, this part right here, this valley is just... It's dry, there's no vegetation, nothing lives out there. You know, it's why, you know, it's kind of like why they call it Death Valley, okay? Like, you're not going to call that, you know, living waters. <laughs> like, it's dead, it's dead. But a few years ago, a strange anomaly took place. It didn't last long. It was only for a moment. 
a weather pattern was created that had never happened before around the Death Valley area. And in this particular valley that you're looking at on this screen, for just a few short days, clouds formed and it rained seven inches and then it was done. It hasn't rained there since. And the ground soaked up all that water before you could even see it. And nothing happened except a few months later, this same valley that was cracked and dry and named death, this same valley a few months later looked just like this. See, Death Valley, everybody, and look at me in the eyes, Death Valley wasn't really dead. Just under the surface, there were seeds of potential. There were seeds lying dormant, waiting for the right atmospheric change. The, the right ingredient to be added to that dry ground. And in the same way, Easter is not the atmospheric change, everybody. The preacher isn't what makes the atmosphere. The music isn't the atmosphere. The church service isn't the atmosphere. What makes the difference is the spirit of Jesus that can bring life to dead places. And right now in this place, Jesus is here. He's here and he sees you and he's not forgotten about you. And you may have questions and you feel like, if I could just get my questions answered, all kinds of people get questions answered all the time and that doesn't change. It's all about not getting your questions answered. It's about believing he is who he says he is and leaning not on your own understanding. And he will close the gap between the life you're living and the life he's designed for you to live. So I have a prayer for you tonight. It's not an original prayer. It's it's, it's a prayer that Paul prayed over another church that had church services. It was the church in a, in a place called Ephesus. And Paul prays this prayer, and I want to pray this prayer for you. I pray that you would begin to understand how incredibly great his power is. To help those who have it all together, no to help those who figured it out, to help those that got all their questions answered. No, his power is so great to help those who believe him. It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And that's what we celebrate today. So as I mentioned, we have one more question on the survey, A, B, C, or D. Would you grab that survey now? And if you're here tonight, I want you to know if you're breathing, you qualify for one of these, one of these areas. You are an A, a B, a C, or you might be D. Um, you would circle A if tonight 
you're already in a real relationship with Jesus. Are you perfect? No, nobody's perfect except Jesus. But you're already there. You're, you're trusting God. You're leaning not on your own understanding. He's the center of your life. You make mistakes, but you, you've asked him, invited him to be your savior, and you're living that way in his path. Now, you would circle B, though, if, if you, you want to say tonight, Jesus, I believe. Or maybe you need to say, Jesus, I believe again. It's been a while. I believe again. And you're saying, I'm ready to start or restart a relationship with Jesus. Bible says we're a lot like sheep and they go astray. And so you and I, like we go astray, we drift. But he brings us back when we drift. You would circle C if you're in the room and you say, hey, you know what? This is good, but I'm, I don't know. I, I want to still consider this. I want you to know that we've really designed this church uh, for people like you. Yes, we have a lot of Christ followers. We have people that are still kicking the tires on the whole relationship with Jesus thing. We've designed this church for you because we believe that, that Jesus didn't just come to make, you know, shiny things shinier. He came to heal broken people and raise people from the dead spiritually. So if you're still considering, mark it down. We'd love to pray for you and just see what God does. Come back. Join us again. Let your kids enjoy kid works. Come and be a part of our services and just, just think about it. And see what God might do. And D, you would, you would mark D if say no thanks tonight. I, I came in. I, I kind of I'm good. I, I've got my own theories on life, and and I'm just I don't ever intend on making this decision. And I just want to invite you to do that spiritual inventory in your own life, and circle D. And I want you to know that I'm glad you're here too. You're welcome at this church anytime. We say it like this: It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And maybe you're just okay with being not really involved with the Jesus thing and I want you to know that uh, be honest with yourself circle that drop it in the offering plate and here's my prayer for you my prayer for you is this God if you really are real if you are who you say you are in, in, in only the way you can show that to them and I believe he will I believe he will and I believe your life will never be the same. But be honest tonight with yourself and with God. And so now we're going to take those and we're going to circle them. And I'm going to know everybody's done by the time I see every head bowed in the room. If after you circle it, just bow your head. And once every head is bowed in the room, once every head is bowed, I'll begin to pray for us. Circle your survey. And you can bow your heads. And now I'd invite you just with your heads bowed, would you just close your eyes for a moment? And if you're here today and you wanted to, to start or restart a relationship with Jesus, uh, I'm, I can't do it for you, but I can be a tour guide for you. And it's between you and God, not between you and me. But between you and God, you may just want to say it like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me for being the savior of the world. I, I can't fix my mistakes, uh, my sin in my life, sin that, that really is just there that separates me from you. I can fix mistakes, but I can't fix sin. Only you can do that. And I, would you give me a fresh start today? I believe you are who you say you are. I'm believing again. I'm, 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 I'm recommitting myself to you today. Thank you for not being mad at me, Jesus. 
Thank you for loving me so much to give me this moment to make things right with you. And I surrender to you, and I believe that you're giving me a fresh start today. Thank you. With heads bowed and eyes still closed, if you're here and there's something dead that you're asking Jesus to resurrect today, an emotion, a marriage, a relationship, a tension, a financial struggle, a, a physical ailment, if that's you, would you just put a hand in the air? I want to pray for you today. Yeah, you're not alone. Many, many hands. Lord Jesus, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, you said was available to quicken, to, to bring life to our mortal bodies. And so, Lord, all across with the hands that were raised, I pray you would do what only you can do. May they look back at Easter weekend 2019 as you begin to take next steps starting now to bring wholeness, healing, direction, fruitfulness, a dream that has died, may it be resurrected today. A friendship that's been severed, may it be restored today. They're in the middle of their, their grieving and their mourning a loss. May you bring joy that gives them buoyancy in the waves that they're, that they're experiencing. Praise instead of despair. Redeem them and resurrect what's been dead. We thank you, Lord. We believe you can do it. We believe you're able, you're capable. If you can raise your son, you can touch this issue. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Hey, would you put your hands together for those that made a decision today to circle B and invite Jesus to be the center of their life? Yeah.